Hello, and welcome to the first episode of On The Mend. I'm Matt Willis, and in this series, we're going to be taking a look at the world of mental health, addiction, and recovery, and how people just get through hard times. My first guest is someone I've known for a very, very, very long time. He's a musician, author, and a pretty lovely bloke. Yes, I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Dougie Pointer. Now, you probably know him as the basis of McFly and McBusted, but Dougie has had many, many ups and downs in his life and career. And in this episode, he speaks very honestly about his addiction to drugs, which was incredible, really, because he's never really got into that stuff publicly before. And, um, and I know he was nervous about it. We had a little chat before we did the episode. And he was kind of nervous about saying all this stuff. But there's something about owning your narrative that I think is really, really powerful. And also removing that shame and stigma, which I was really pleased he was open to. And that's exactly what we did. Now, I met Dougie when he was about 15 years old. And over the years, we've both seen each other at our worst. But over that time, we've been very supportive of and to each other. You know, and we continue to be. It's an ongoing thing, this thing. So it was quite a poignant moment, this, to sit down with him and talk openly about lots of different stuff, which in the past, this man has found very difficult to talk about. And I have too, so I related so much to it. Here's our chat. Hope you enjoy it. Mr. Dougie Pointer. Dougie Pointer. Hello, Hi. mate. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm mate, great. dude, thanks for coming, man. Thanks very so happy much. to be here. Really? Yeah, genuinely stoked. I mean, um... You told me about this a while ago, and I've been anxious about doing it. Why, why, why anxious? I think because it's, it's a part of my life that I'm really private about, publicly, yeah. and just for, out of fear. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, the, I've, I've been in recovery for, I think it was 2011, I think. Right. So it's it's been a while. So it's not like I haven't spoken about this, and there are people that yeah. know my story and and stuff, and I know that it like helps other people. Like yeah. I, I literally met a dude two years ago that I showed up to a meeting that um I'd never been to before, and he was like, "Dougie, hey hey man," he's like, <laughs> "You're the whole reason I'm I'm in recovery." There was a thing that was in the paper like like eight years ago or something, and I thought, "Wow, if that." kid from mcfly can do it i can do it mate and i was like rad. shit all right cool so yeah i know that it like it helps other people yeah there is a moment of kind of going you know once i say it it's out there mm. you know and and i think for me personally like i was always really i hated talking about it because it just became what everyone talked about me mm -hmm. you know like every time i did anything or anytime my wife did anything be like how's matt how's he getting on mm. i'm like you know come on yeah, <laughs> that you know, becomes you. It becomes me, you know, Matt, the drug addict, yeah. you know, and I was like, which I am, you know, but I'm also loads of other things, you know, so it became the kind of one thing that kind of like that stigma attached to me. Yeah. And like, you know, so it was. Um, it's so uh, clickbaitable, isn't it? That, mm. that tag. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of creates fear inside of me. Like, it doesn't freak yeah. me out, but I, I'm really aware how clickable yeah that that is uh and it's it's not the the entire story as you know like in recovery everyone's story is like vastly different with similarities yeah. and, and and stuff but um and and we were saying a little while ago about having control of the narrative and i think part of that is my ego wanting it to be a certain way and not be 
something that I'm not in control of or yeah. uh, of people's perception of me, which is all bullshit. Yeah. Which is all, and that's stuff I've had to learn how to let go of. Yeah. Because it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, it doesn't and it does. You know, because, you know, what other people think, I think, is is out of our control. But when we can control it, when we can control a narrative, I think it is important because, you know, when I when I when I first got sober, it's not like everyone didn't already know that I was a wreckhead. Mm. You know, like I mean, I was beer mat in the sun every. Yeah, I remember days. that. It was a fucking yeah. little section of me, you know. So it was like everyone was kind of waiting for that fucking mm. guy to collapse. You know, I think you know, so um, including me, and so it was kind of no real shock. But you know, there is still something about it that kind of is. There's so much kind of shame and stigma around addiction, you know, and kind of like, and that word and kind of like drugs, when you say the word drugs, you know, I think that's kind of changing now. I think people are kind of getting open to the idea that people struggle with all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were around the beer mat uh, time, that was really different then. Like if you mm. went to rehab, it was you, you were a fuck up. Yeah. It wasn't celebrated as like, oh yeah well done absolutely well done yeah, like yeah. Uh, i mean i mean that was my perception of like some of the shit that i was like reading and stuff you go oh rehab that's it that's yeah that's rock bottom you're fucked now yeah and then when you actually go to, <laughs> go to rehab you're like oh oh right no no that's, yeah. this um, is just the I, beginning. I, was, I was fucked then yeah actually. yeah Life's yeah pretty yeah. fucking rad from this moment yeah on, yeah you know but i suppose yeah exactly there's so much kind of um people think of these kind of things in such a way i mean rehab's a really weird thing if you haven't experienced it you know i was meeting some people the other day who were just about who were just going through detox and were just about to go to rehab and had so many kind of questions about it really because you know you kind of I don't, I don't know what people think about it they think of it as one flew over the cuckoo's nest in a way yeah you know, like yeah they think of that kind of fucking that environment uh -huh. and it's so not about that you know no. it's such a it's such a if you get good people around you and you kind of get like this kind of group of people that are all in there for the same reason you know, it's kind of um, it's quite a, quite an amazing, yeah, amazing thing that oh, happens man. in those places. I, I've done it. I've done it twice for for two separate addictions, and the, the second, both times, I felt like they were huge life changing things. They were like the worst times of my life and the best. Yeah. For some yeah. reason, I, I still reference my last stint in rehab now. Whenever I'm like not feeling quite right or something, I'm like, what was I doing? I went to a place in Ibiza. Oh, you know, yeah. I went to a place in Ibiza. Of all the fucking places. Exactly. When you think of a rehab, you don't think of it in Ibiza, <laughs> yeah. do you really? Yeah, I was getting clean in, in Bifa. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I was I was in the worst place in the world in my head, but also the best. I was in the safest place mm. and yet felt, I don't know, there was, I, I was on a, a, a the right train. Mm. I think that's, that's it. It's, it's, it's still turbulent, but... You're, you feel like you're on the right train. You're going in the right direction. Yeah. But it's mad. Rehab mm. is like not what you think it's about at all. What do, you, what do you think it is about? Because I was trying to describe what happens. And I was like, is there, <laughs> I was like, is there a structure? Is there like a four-week structure, a three-month structure? Or is it just like you just do the same shit every day? And I can't really, I, can't, I couldn't really put my finger on it. But I think the, the longer you're in there, the more open you become mm. to freeing yourself from this kind of like totally awful mindset you're in yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah. the first thing i did was the standard 28 days i think that was 2011 yeah what was that for what did you go, that was for, for booze and coke yeah and that was at the the priory 
my, my experience with that, I, I hadn't experienced any kind of therapy before in my life, any mm. therapy. I was 22. I hadn't stopped to just reflect since I, well, ever. So it, the whole thing was a shock. And um, I remember process, which is like group therapy being in the in the mornings and meditations, which was more like reading stuff from uh, Marcus Aurelius. Right. Uh, so you're doing like um, uh, the stoic kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We were doing, and I, I loved all of that. Mm. I fucking never heard of Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, if I'm being honest, I don't think at the time I was a hundred percent ready to open up and let go and be honest with myself to be a hundred percent vulnerable. I yeah. think I was about fifty percent. Yeah. Because it was all so fucking new and Which was a lot more than you'd ever been before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's for me it felt like but I was I, I, I kind of actively remember putting up certain walls on things I didn't want to mm. talk about because I was just like, no, that doesn't doesn't fucking bother me. No, mm. no, 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 yeah. no. And I actually found getting off booze and drugs a lot easier. That cocktail didn't seem to resonate as as much as what happened like later on in life. Like I, I instantly felt because of the type of high that you get from Coke and, and the hangovers and all of that, I instantly felt better. Well, sorry, like after like three days, once everything kind of got out of my system and I was eating well and sleeping, mm. I was like, fuck, I'm on, I was on the pink fucking cloud. Yeah. And, and so I found it a little bit easier to stay like that because I was like, this feels good and I haven't felt like this in a long time, you know, the first time you wake up at fucking 9 a.m. and you're not hungover. Yeah. And it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But then the second time I was in a, it was even worse. That was a, on prescription drugs. That was Valium. Mm. That was literally like hell on earth. Yeah. Valium but, is an opiate. It's the same kind of detox as a heroin detox. Well, yeah, this is what fucking scared yeah. me. Like, so I'm gradually over like two or three years taking more and more of the valium and um because your, your tolerance builds up so quickly and yeah. it started off so fucking harmless that i was i was basically just having a panic attack one day because i yeah. was jet lagged and drank fucking tons of coffee and was in the middle of a panic attack and somebody offered me like a quarter of a valium to like mm. calm the fuck down they didn't know yeah. what to do with me I took that quarter of Valium, got home, and I remember peeing, going, I think this is the best day of my life. And mm. the, all these fucking things in my brain just went, <laughs> and I just felt like, this is the happiest I've ever fucking been. Wow. Just that fucking standing up peeing. Yeah, so then that spiraled, because then, like, after two days, I needed half of a Valium, and then, and then a whole one, and then went from five milligrams to... 10 milligrams and then 20 and and then it just went on and on and on and yeah. on for two, two and a half years i think until mm. i was doing stupid shit like waking up in the morning coming downstairs and twice i i smashed my my window just from falling into it you <laughs> live high up as well yeah, right? yeah yeah that was like the, that was the beginning of me doing like stupid shit and then other people around me started noticing that i would repeat myself i'd show up to places like a day early because i wasn't paying attention to yeah. my calendar i didn't know what fucking day it was mm. wasn't a hundred percent there and I, and i tried to i was like right i gotta fucking stop i'll stop taking valium 
and I'd start throwing up every time mm. I did. Yeah. And I, I think it was, I think it might have been you. I don't know. It's all such a blur that time when it, mm. when it was in, it was, and it's worse. I was just on autopilot. Somebody put me in touch with our friend, Billy, mm. who is a drugs counselor and an absolute fucking hero. Yeah. I hadn't spoken to him in a while. And he's like, well, yeah, d you don't stop taking Valium. Like you're, you will have fucking seizures and yeah. that's what will kill you, especially mm. with the amount that you're taking. Like you can't just stop. Yeah. Which was like kind of good news and bad news to my addict head. Like yeah. I now had an excuse yeah. to He's got this demeanor about him, Billy. He's he's really, really likable, but yeah. he, and he's so assertive though as well. Yeah. And he ordered me to drop whatever it was that I was doing and get a flight out to his new rehab that he, he'd recently taken over in mm. Ibiza. Mm. And it was only, I think it was like eight to ten patients at a time. Yeah. And I was super, super lucky that there was a space, and I had an in with the guy that was fucking running yeah. it who didn't need to see anything else. Like he, he knew me and was like, put Doug there. Yeah. And I get there and on my first day, I'm still so fucking high. Like mm. I'm just like, I, I don't want to say loving, like numb, numb to everything. Not, yeah. not necessarily loving, but just don't feel anything. So mm. I'm just in this rehab that we're all sat outside and there's this kid that's detoxing off of heroin. Mm. And I tell him, I, I was minimalizing what why I was there. I was, I was just prescription drugs, and and he's like, uh, "Well, what kind?" And I'm like, uh, "Valium, uh, benzos," and he was like, "Put it this way, man, I'd much be doing what I'm doing now than what you're about to go through." Yeah. And I'm like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck!" But still, I'm on Valium, so I can't panic. Like, I just yeah. <laughs> panic just doesn't exist. I'm like, yeah. "Okay, sweet." And then uh, I go on this blind detox, and gradually that got my mental state got worse and worse and worse because I, I hadn't felt anything for two years. No yeah. emotion really whatsoever. Mm. And I'd completely rewired my brain. So I can only describe it as like my, my mental state of how I saw the world as the upside down from Stranger Things. Like mm. everything is how you remember it and it looks like real life, but it's fucking dark and scary as shit. Yeah. I, was, I was scared of persian rugs because of the amount of detail that was in it it was too much for my brain Fuck. to process overstimulation overstimulation yeah. like too many people talking i'm like yeah oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. and then you get these brain zaps and your body starts tingling and my muscles were starting to come back to life because diazepam's a muscle relaxant yeah so for two years they'd been told to chill the fuck out and yeah. now i'm like coming <laughs> off of it so you're just in this like state of hell and all the emotions that you haven't felt for ages that diazepam have been suppressing, like paranoia, anxiety, yeah. all just are just firing off all day. Yeah. From the moment you open your eyes. So yeah, but but I mean I've got kind of gone off on one, but yes, that no, might that time in, in Ibiza was hell, but also incredible because I was more so than than my first stint in rehab, like actually on my knees mm. I, I had like nothing to lose i couldn't fucking think properly yeah i was completely knocked out i suppose and, it, was, it was kind of an adventure to find you again in a way I, that was what i was yeah. thinking about on the way here because i remember when you decided to do this podcast and you were like asked me to think about when the moment was that you 
knew there was light or something. It a was moment a of hope. Moment of hope. Yeah. And it was I had, I had this amazing therapist who knew that I couldn't process information at the time, so I couldn't really read anything. So I couldn't read like the assignments properly and write shit down and found it so hard to talk because the all those eyes like looking at me it was just like a fucking roller coaster mm. she knew that i worked really visually and i like making things and so she changed all of my assignments to, to something creative and so i'd have to do like i'd have to paint or something and then uh, talk about that and she'd ask me questions whilst i'm looking at this painting and the group Great. would ask and and I found it easier to do that because it was, I was stimulated and I liked doing it. Hmm. And that was like a little glimmer of hope. That I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I like, I like making shit. I find that, that I found that distracting in the evening. Like, I didn't freak out that yeah. evening. But the biggest one was, was music. When I couldn't connect with any kind of sense of self, I didn't know who the fuck I was anymore, which was yeah. terrifying. Hmm. Uh, the disconnect from m myself, friends, family. I just felt like I was this lone traveler of the world that didn't know anybody, like a, yeah. a fucking alien, which was fucking terrifying. So she did this musical task where she was like, I want you to pick some music that connects to your, to your inner child. And at first I'm like, on Spotify, I'm just like selecting all my favorite rock songs yeah. and i'm like this is this is me this is me this is who i like yeah but i i wasn't i was sat there and i, I wasn't feeling any like inner child shit mm. and also as well i was like oh, if i play this to some of the older people in my group they're just gonna i think they're gonna have such a fucking terrible time so i was like oh, what about some more classical pieces and i went to john williams and found all these movie soundtracks like one of the one of the songs from um home alone and one of the jurassic park yeah theme songs and whilst i was listening to them started to remember who i was pre drinking drugs yeah and all the shit that i was into like dinosaurs and stuff yeah. all the nerdy stuff that i now know that i absolutely love and it's really important to have in my life and yeah and I, that sense of connecting to the little kid that i was was so overwhelming like oh yeah i fucking cried and then couldn't stop crying and couldn't stop listening to those bits of music and that for me that day that was a, an amazing fucking day as well so we started off listening to the home alone one then we got to jurassic park and it started pissing down and thunder and lightning outside whilst listening to jurassic park wow. which made it even more immersive and yeah. i was just so <laughs> in it with my eyes closed like <laughs> fuck yeah fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then from that moment on i always walked around with a I, and I did for about a year afterwards. I always had this little Jurassic Park. It was like a label or something off an item of clothing. It was the logo of Jurassic Park. I always had yeah. that in my pocket. And whenever I started to panic and forget who I was for yeah. a moment, I'd always get it out and look at it and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're that nerd. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like that about myself that's now. so fucking cool, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you feel like when the, um, the first time you went to rehab, it was just about, right, just got to stop drinking and using. Mm, mm. And then once you stop drinking and using, you're like, right, cool, I'm cool. Yeah. Just carry on like that yeah. without having to ever really address what, why that was that you drank and used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stop and then doing this, this one this thing. And this time, it sounds like 
doing that therapy, finding that moment, finding that Jurassic Park um, kind of connection to that inner child mm. was the moment you went, oh, there's much more. Yeah, yeah, one million percent. The, yeah. the getting off of drugs was the just this background radiation of yeah. what was going on in my time in mm. rehab. The rest of it was, yeah, dealing with all all of the other stuff. Um, I have a massive, massive thing with confrontation. Yeah, that I just can't fucking <laughs> confront any anything. Yeah. I, I hate it with a passion that like my fucking world is closing in if anyone's confrontational yeah my therapist would be like that guy in therapy was kind of rude to you always like he's pushing you around a a little bit like i want you to stand up to him next time yeah how did that go (laughs) (laughs) excuse me sir but um i get really offended by that (laughs) but it was yeah it was great i was actually using group therapy for what it's there for you read a, a preamble before you do group therapy yeah. every time most of the time um in most rehabs i think and it says in the preamble to use this group as practice for the outside yeah world and so that's what i felt like i was doing and through all i mean i still suck at confrontation but at least i know that yeah now and i know my strengths and weaknesses and know myself yeah, I, I think pretty well now. It's, I'm still learning, but I know myself well enough now to keep myself well. I found that I had a, a tendency to stay quiet, kind of zone out, and then suddenly just go, fuck you! You know, and this yeah, fucking yeah. thing would come out, and I'd regret everything I said because mm. everything I said was not real. But yeah. it's that coming from so much other shit that would just blur out, you know? So it's like, when now I'm like, that's okay, I'm not very good at that. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Right, okay. Have a think about what you really want from this situation. You know? Just knowing that, that yeah. knowing yourself, I think, yeah, yeah is one of the biggest, mm. biggest things. Because then you can prevent. Well, you know, it sounds like kind of that you know what your triggers are, or yeah. you just know how you're going to react to something and respond and not react. Yeah. Instead. And when you say you like, for instance, a confrontational thing or. Or being in certain situations, were you always like this when you when you were a kid? Were you like the same? Or... Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me and my sister are like we, we've always been super chilled. Like we had a pretty awesome yeah. childhood. There was no reason to be confrontational, and then all of a sudden you're a, you're an adult and um, you're thrown into like well, yeah, just adult life. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's I guess because everybody's so different. Someone might be being confrontational or pushing you around a bit and to them they don't even feel like they're doing that and i'm sat there taking it like really personally that's something yeah. i do now is not take stuff as per- i used to take stuff really personally like that person mm. sat there and really like thought about and like written down like how can i piss doug off um, right like the <laughs> yeah. world revolves around me <laughs> yeah um, yeah is that saying that um you'll think about um how people think about you less when you realize how seldom they do yeah, 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 yeah. Because all of us are just thinking about ourselves, yeah. you know, like, you know. Constantly. So, exactly. So, like, no one's going to fuck about, yeah. you know, how can I fucking piss Dougie off today? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's just thinking, how can I get my shit exactly, in this situation? yeah. You know? I found that that's helped with other areas of my life as well, though, that, like, songwriting, we do that, a, like, a, a lot now as a band, have our own studio, and not taking people not liking your ideas personally. Yeah. You say say something and like you've been sat on it a little while, like, what about this? And if yeah. they go, No. Like I probably used to would get offended. Not yeah pissed off, but like offended, like 
yeah. oh fuck, because it's just killed my ego. But also, it took a lot for you to say that. You know, I know yeah. you. I'm the same. You know, it takes mm. a lot for me to go. Okay, I've got something. What about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. takes a lot for me to mm. put that shit out there. And when it's turned down, you're like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. I'll sit back down the corner. With yeah, it. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick with the bass guitar. Yeah, exactly. I'll stick with my bass. But yeah, but now, like now, letting go of that, I feel like it's really helped get rid of. Uh, we've ended up with stuff that's that's even better. Like we, we've yeah. been writing for other people at the moment, and that has been amazing. Having uh, serving the song as opposed to you just trying to do your. Thing. You're trying to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the album that McFly has just done, but won't come out until so I think sort of spring next year. But I can hear like hear in it. I'm like, oh, that's where I was fucking stuck. And then Danny came in with this fucking awesome bit. And, yeah. And I don't think I was in the headspace to do that um, before Ibiza. When you go back to being a kid, when did you start like drinking? How old were you? Because um, when did I meet you? Like, how old were you? Like, I fifteen. Remember... You were 15 yeah. when you on fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking mental, mate. Yeah. How old were yeah. you? 18? I would have been 18 at that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It was, I remember it was you... Busted had not come out, right, when we, when we met. No, no, you you We'd had released. done your first album and you, you yeah, were just like, working on your second. Yeah, 18, 19, I would have been. Yeah. Yeah. When you think back to that kind of like beginning of kind of McFly and stuff, like, because you all lived together, right? Mm. How was that? Some of the best times of my life. Really? Yeah, I loved it. Um... I remember coming to your house once. You bought there, pies. I bought pies, right? Yeah. Was this after the Brits? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. so we'd gone to the Brits. I was too young to really go to any of the after parties, so yeah. um, we just went back home. Yeah, you, 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 didn't you win that night as well? Yeah. You won a Brit and then yeah. you went home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember turn, I, I think I turned up fucking really late after a party or something and I came back to your place. Yeah, yeah, you bought of, pies. And I Because I, I remember that was like really fucking awesome. We were... Like none of us would ever have thought to do that. Like, of course, at three a.m. we're gonna like be hungry, and you bought beers and pies. Typical. Um, and we were like, "Yeah, Matt's a dude." <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was sweet. I think that was the first time I ever really hung around with you guys. Probably was yeah. that night. You know, I'm walking into your flat and going, "What's that on the roof?" And there was a like a fleshlight masturbation thing oh, yeah. stuck to the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, we had a few of those. Uh, <laughs> we had taken it out of its shell. And I swung it around and stuck it to the ceiling. So there was just this, like, this butthole <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. I don't know if it had ever been used or not. We'll say yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was Danny's. Um, uh, so, you know, I remember, I remember kind of going there and going, fuck, man, this is like, we never really had that in Buster because, like, me and James had kind of lived together in South End and we kind of moved in together with Charlie in, in North London. But Charlie had a girlfriend, so he was kind of always staying there. Right. And I had a girlfriend who was in London. So really, it was just James living in this place and me and Charlie just using it as kind of like a stopover. Every now and again, right. we'd have to get up early for Saturday morning TV. I'd go there on a Friday night to get up with them and go in. Yeah, yeah. And really, we were kind of always out. So, but, but I remember going there going, fuck, this feels so fucking cool. It's just like four guys yeah, it was, in a house. Mate, it was... Because uh, we were a band for... A little while just before before we came out. Well, I, I was in the band, I think, for almost a year before we did anything. And then the other mm. guys had, well, Tom and Danny started it like quite a while, a couple of years before that. Yeah. They'd been in this house for for a little while and then yeah. I, I'd joined. Did you wait till you left school? Were you 16 when you... When you no, no. I So I, I just left school and just walked home. <laughs> just, oh, really? just, just walked home and never came back. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the absolute... You know the sort of shit you daydream about when you're in class, like you're in maths and you're like, if only, 
you know, you just paint these silly scenarios of like, imagine if I just got a record deal and just never returned. Mate. And it actually fucking and happened. You did it. Fuck yeah, it. I thought the mates were screwing. No one, well, no one fucking believed me. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, like, because I was in bands at school and they, you know, you, you suck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. fucking you yeah. got a record deal. So you were in that house, right? And were, was drinking drugs like a thing there? Weed was. We were massive. I, so I, I started drinking when I was, I had my first beer, I think, when I was like seven mm. um, at Christmas. And it was one of those tiny bottles of Bex that a pissed family member must have like. Yeah, yeah. Me. I remember being. When like, I was like 24 small bottles. Yeah, of yeah, 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 I know yeah. exactly the ones. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I guess because I was so young before. I didn't have that much. I did all my growing up in yeah. that band house. Yeah. So I, I mean, we would drink and stuff in my in my old bands at school, but I don't remember it being ever much of a of a thing. I remember being excited about weed. Yeah. But it was so hard to come by where I yeah. grew up. Um, Should have been hanging around with me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and if you did, it would be fucking blocks of wood. Oh, wait, where, where, where you grew up? I mean. Where I grew oh, up, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when I joined the joined the band, uh, it wasn't drink; it was all always weed. We yeah. were well, me and uh, me and my drummer, massive, massive stoners. Yeah. Just I, we absolutely fucking loved it. Yeah. And I think because we, yeah, I, I, that might have fed into like the paranoia about ever like leaving the house. I didn't want to go to. A, you know, Brits after party because yeah. I, was, I just wanted to go home and get stoned, and I was probably yeah. still paranoid about like, maybe if I go to that party, maybe they'll find the weed in my sock, right, <laughs> <laughs> or something. You know, um, the police might get and me. How old are you? Like sixteen, seventeen? At the Brits? Yeah, I think I was seventeen by then. Right, seventeen. Um, yeah, won a fucking Brit award. Right. Yeah. Which I know, like, when I think back to it, like, I didn't really ever appreciate those kind of things, really. Like, mm. I never really kind of like, it was just like something like, oh, you know, like, great. Yeah. But that's pretty fucking mad. And I mean, when you think about the world that you were suddenly kind of being 15 at school, you're plucked from there. Two years later, you're winning a Brit Award. You're surrounded by adults within the grown music ups. industry. Yeah, grown yeah, ups. Yeah. And you're still a kid. Uh, you yeah. Know? And you're kind of living this life that, is making loads of people money and it's kind of like, it's a very strange time mm. and a very strange place for someone to be. And when yeah. you said you did your growing up in that house, that's a fucking weird way to grow up. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think that's why, that's even why I talk the way I do. Yeah. I'm from, I'm from Essex. I should have a full on Essex accent, but yeah. I didn't think I'd even done much talking up until joining the band and happened to have like, it was just literally overnight, then grown-ups are talking to me as if I'm on the same level as them. Yeah. And I'm like, yesterday you were, like, telling me what to do and telling me to do my homework. And, like, now I'm like, yes, yes, I, I think we should tour in the summer. Yes. That would be Let's, the best talk budgets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and through the, the, the weed smoking as well, I think my mind kind of developed and then I just came out the other end of, of smoking weed with this weird hybrid American-Australian sometimes posh accent yeah that's the harry judd influence that's the fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. i was just watching him how he was talking to people yeah like, oh yeah 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 like i remember for me kind of because we we're in very similar kind of circles in a way like the so people that worked on our stuff worked on your stuff mm -hmm. 
being signed to that record company changed my life because I met people. And um, obviously I had a girlfriend that worked for the record company, which was not ideal for everybody else working at the record company yeah, or everyone yeah. else in my, my thing. But for me, I think she even worked with you, didn't she? Yeah, she was yeah, our um, yeah, yeah. plugger. Yeah, and she was, um, and, but suddenly I was like, so from, for me, I was like in that world. You know, and I was kind of around these kind of like grown ups and kind of like going to fucking dinner parties and shit with 30 year olds. And I was like, fucking <laughs> had like a blonde streak in my hair and fucking eye makeup on, you know, and like painted nails. And they were all going, what the fuck is this guy doing in our living room? You know, but like it was. Um, and you it were was, 18? Yeah, I was like 18, 19. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, and she was like 29. But it was, it was a really formative moment for me because I suddenly was like around a different age group. And it was kind of like, all right, cool what are these people doing? You know, mm, because mm. Like, I know what my mates are doing. I'm not into it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I'm like, I want to do this shit. You know, and I was kind of very drawn to the kind of, you know, and um, and within the music industry, I was very drawn to that kind of party, kind of like, you know, kind of social kind of thing, you know, and then kind of cocaine really grabbed me, mm. you know, because it was like, I was, even though I was really drawn to it, I was uncomfortable. I felt less than, I felt like I shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. I was younger. I didn't really have much to fucking say. I was from a fucking council state. I didn't know what to fucking do in these situations. But this thing happened to me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm fucking amazing. <laughs> you know, and everyone's great and everyone loves me and I can chat their fucking ear off. And, you know, it was yeah. like this kind of empowering thing, you know. And then it really changed for me. You know, like it kind of like changed my persona, my outlook, my kind of everything gave me something which I didn't have. You know, did you did you find that because you were smoking weed and it was kind of like you were going home and kind of doing that thing? When did that change to kind of like something else? After um, did these really strong magic mushrooms and sort of lost my mind for a, a little while and couldn't smoke weed again. Yeah, uh, I, all the fun and just I just went straight to the fear. Yeah. As, as soon as, like, after one toke, I'd be like, yeah. police. And what situation did you take the mushrooms in? It was in a, in a friend's house in Notting Hill. Yeah. And we thought it'd be really rad. And it was, I, I saw, I think I saw something on TikTok the other day. And I was like, that sounds like this. And they were saying about how, like, dangerous uh, or, like, the strengths of different mushrooms yeah. are. And the one that they were saying, you got to be careful this one. Don't take too many of these. These are really fucking strong. Yeah. I was like, I think that was what what we took. Yeah. I'm just fucking eating them. Yeah. And then, and didn't have, I mean, for the, I think, I had no concept of time, but there was a bit of the fun, trippy stuff, yeah. like trains flying through the room and my drummer turning into a rat. Uh, was was really fun and then it went to my brain skipping like a remember when dvds used to skip yeah yeah um or a cd used to skip my brain was doing that with thoughts and processing the yeah. information around me and everything i'd missed whilst it was skipping someone would come up and be like dude 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 Dude. Yeah, yeah. And it was. I mean, uh, that sounds like the worst environment to take mushrooms in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that right. sucked. So yeah. the, that was so that was the end of my weed smoking days. After right. that, and and then that was when I started drinking because it was sort of the opposite. It felt like the opposite mm. way. Um, there was no paranoia. I was like, oh, yeah. I'll just deal with hangovers. Yeah. And then 
and then booze and coke go so well yeah together yeah and i had yeah the same thing being a, a shy little dweeby fucking kid coke made me feel on the same level as everybody else yeah um and that it becomes a little like secret weapon for yeah for a while um superpower in your pocket fucking yeah, superpower yeah. And then, you, but you, and then you just feel like you can't do anything really without that. Yeah. And the amount of like ridiculous situations you end up in. Yeah. With that stuff, mm. um, and I hear for, like on podcasts and meetings and stuff, people telling their stories, and it's always that drug that people end up going on some really mad ad- adventures yeah. with it. That you're like, wow. What was the reaction from people? like when you said or when they found out or when you talked to them about you going to rehab oh it's horrible that was like one of the worst parts about it i think that that also plays into why i'm fearful of talking about it is more what others or friends and family will think like how it will hurt them mm. knowing because other people feel like they failed you in a way yeah i guess yeah yeah, yeah. or yeah. They, like, they didn't know like what did what did they do wrong yeah. um I hated the the attention. I don't really like a, attention like anyway. Yeah. Or the focus being on me, and then like when you are the the, the problem child. Yeah. Uh, of that scenario, and everybody's like supportive, like amazingly yeah. supportive. But that I was wanted everyone to calm down a bit. Like, yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. Carry on. Yeah, carry, carry on. on. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> just let me do my thing. Let me do my thing. Yeah. But but also amazing at the same time. Then you come out at the other end of it. And you're like, wow, these people really have my fucking back. Yeah. For me, I was like, how can I do anything? Everything I do was around drinking drugs. Like every, I was like, my job, the people I hang out with, you know, everything I do on a daily basis is about drinking drugs. Like in some kind of weird way. When really it wasn't. That was just my life, and I was making it so. Yeah, yeah. You know, when actually everything can work better without this shit. But yeah. I couldn't see how I would be able to do anything. No. And and how many times did it take you to realise that? I went to rehab four times in the end. But um Back to the back. Fir- the first two were like a year apart and I went for like I was supposed to go for four weeks and I went for a week and I was like, fuck this. And you just you left. What literally I left because um I only went there because Basically, everyone was getting fucking pissed off at me at the record company and kind of like, I was supposed to be making an album and I was right. just not turning up and I was like, fuck, I'm in trouble. I was like, I've got to do something to get out of trouble. And I was like, in trouble every day. Like, every time my phone rang, I'd shit myself, you know, just be like, mm. and, um, and I was like, right, I need to do something big. I'll check into rehab, you know, so I fucking did it all myself, checked it, you know, and like, um, <laughs> and, um, and I did a, I did a week there and was like, abstinence fuck that you know i want to fucking just chill everyone out that's always a shock right yeah yeah that like oh i can't ever do anything again i thought i thought you were gonna yeah. control this for exactly. me exactly like, i thought i was gonna go to a fucking summer camp for a while and kind of come yeah. out like all good and realize, normal yeah normal and be able to mm. drink socially and stuff you know so kind of, i wasn't really ready for that and the second time was very similar you know it was kind of like i kind of just did it to so my girlfriend didn't dump me you know, and like um, I was just like, oh, you know, and like I was, I was a fucking mess, but I wasn't ready to stop. And then the third time was, was a different kind of thing where it's kind of a day thing, and it's kind of not really 
it's just not going to work for me. I was a fucking menace to society. I needed to be taken away. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't go for a while. And then the last time I went was about three days before I came out three days before my wedding. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was when I, I made the choice. Um, I, I kind of, Emma was away and she'd been away for three weeks in that three weeks without her living with me. My life had deteriorated by 10 years. You know, in the wow. space, like it was already wow. bad when she was there. Like, you know, it was already bad. But when she was gone, I had no one to report to or to try and stay sober for or to try and hide it. Wow. So I was just a fucking, and I, and I knew I wouldn't be able to turn up to the wedding. I just knew that I wouldn't be there or I'd be fucking wasted and fucking ruin it. And I was like, fuck, I, and I didn't want to, wow. I really didn't want to, you know. So yeah, I kind of, yeah. Um, and then I went um, and I and I sat there. And I listened and I fucking I understood what they said. And these fucking things on the wall that had pissed me off for years oh, they started yeah. to fucking point their finger at me and go, you know, this is true. Mm. You know, and I was like, and I took it on. I kind of, you know, and um, and then I, I came out, got married and relapsed about three months later, you know. And then I did that for about a year, you know, bouncing in and out. And then um, then I finally stopped when Isabel was six months. So I know like when, when you first kind of get into recovery, there's certain things that you kind of suggestions that you're given and kind of like things that you kind of can, so, you know, things that you can follow and things that you can go to and places you can, you know, kind of stay in that kind of world of recovery. And then over time that kind of morphs into something else in a way, mm. you know, people stay with certain things, move on to other things. I personally have found so many things over that time that kind of helped me. Yeah, and sometimes things help for a while, and then they don't. Then I find something else that helps. I just know I can't use, mm-hmm. you know. So like, I have things that I do on a daily basis now that kind of like really work for me. Like, what does recovery? The word recovery is a is a strange word in a way. But what does what does Dougie's life look like now that he does that keeps him straight? I think the most important thing for me is. Um, being honest with myself and knowing myself. And I think it's that combination. So knowing what my, really honestly knowing what my triggers are. Yeah. And um, being aware of those. I see those triggers as like little fucked up abstract demons that live inside my head and in in my gut that um, can manifest from any kind of situation which will start eating at me. Mm. And that can be, for me, the beginning of a spiral that eventually I will end up going, because end up going back to drugs because there's no other way to get rid of them because they're so consuming. I don't want to live in fear for the rest of my life. Yeah. I begin my day by trying to wake up at a respectable hour. And and if, if I sleep in, that can be, that's a big trigger. Really? If I accidentally sleep in, I fucking hate myself. I'm right. like, you dick, you fucking dick. Like yeah. what? <laughs> like, yeah. Do you I, think I, that's because it reminds you of the past? Bit, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, massively, yeah. yeah. So I try and get up at a, a decent time, and then on my way downstairs, I have this Buddha statue, mm-hmm. and I don't always do it, but I, I I try and like at least acknowledge this little Buddha yeah. statue as this symbol of um surrender Uh and all i do is just look at it and that can because my head is still 
you know, it's first thing in the morning. My head's still like, yeah. surrenders that that little tiny statue thing. And then, like, I mean, I, I just, I even struggle to, like, take care of myself. Yeah. I'm still a fucking kid. So, like, just eating right. I'm, I'm really into gut health at the moment. Yeah. Because I think that's, re- I'm really starting to notice the difference in my mood and just how I feel um, yeah. with with what I put in, like, physically put into my, my, my body. Mm-hmm. I mean, if drugs can do it, right? The food can do the same Absolutely. same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm quite into like gut health at the moment. So I'll start by trying to eat something that is is good for that, and then exercise. That is a huge thing for me. If I don't exercise, that my endorphins can just crash, and yeah. uh, and I ha- and I have that can be a start of the tuning into the shit FM. Yeah. thing like mm, shit you, fm i love you, that you lazy bastard <laughs> yeah. yeah you lazy fucker lazy right. fucker I'm like so yeah i have to get to it and i, I don't written a particularly like train mega hard yeah. um and then therapy and, and, and you, you 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 have a therapist now yeah yeah, yeah and i've kind of jumped around with therapists as well like i'll i'll just depending on like what it is i think i know when it's time to kind of move on and try mm-hmm. something else like yeah like cbt or or maybe i should go back to a drugs counselor for for a bit or yeah. um, someone who, for addiction specialist mm-hmm. or and i kind of stay in touch with with some of them yeah. uh, just depending because i'm not i'm not it's not always the same demon sometimes i don't yeah, feel yeah. like it's really got anything to it could be something like, like brand new mm. but yeah that's just as important as going to the gym like that that's yeah. that's one of the pillars to yeah. hold up my mental health is gym and therapy and talking through things with people like at least at least every now and again i find and that sounds kind of novelty or novel sorry that um to be uh, open and honest with people just in everyday life difficult because it's because it's fucking yeah, hard yeah, it's really um hard, yeah. but it can feel fucking great when everyone's in the room starts doing it as yeah. well and so addressing like little problems like that. Talking about gut health, Dougie, yeah. like the kind of like there's loads. I'm I'm a complete dork when it comes to fucking nutrition science. Oh, maybe you know? you'll be able to help me then because well, I'm new to this shit. Well, no, I'm so interested into what you're what you're talking about because there's been like loads of studies about the kind of gut brain barrier and kind of like and how that like what you put in your gut can affect your brain. Mm. You know, like and I think that's so important because if I eat crap i feel crap mm-hmm. you know but some sometimes i don't know what the right thing to eat is i'm like should i eat this now should i eat this like you know like it's like i don't really know so what mm. when you say you when you say you wake up and you give your you give yourself your gut something good what is that uh well my my how i got in and i'm like really new i'm like literally a few weeks into this yeah uh, this start because i was um waking up most mornings with headaches right and then nine times out of 10 that would manifest into a full-blown migraine and i'd be out and then i was taking painkillers like just paracetamol yeah neurofen and being an addict as well i'm like like as soon as i'd get that little like tingle in the back of my head that like i got a headache coming there's something i can take to, to stop that yeah and yeah the consequences of of me doing that actually gave me a stomach ulcer 
because yeah putting ibuprofen and stuff in your body yeah, is bad, I bet, yeah, I've um, heard that, yeah. but of course yeah i abused it yeah. so much that my stomach got fucked and yeah i went to see uh, uh went to see a doctor and um he couldn't really find why i was getting um headaches but then after doing my own research and writing literally writing out like what i'd been eating because i thought i was doing good by i'm fucking lazy man when it comes to food and i wrote down what i've been eating and i'd been eating the same shit every single day for like three weeks or yeah. more maybe months and um that was primarily a vegetarian diet but that i wasn't making my own shit um yeah. i was just fucking delivery yeah. and being at the studio every day just delivery the yeah. same fucking thing because it's vegetarian it's it's healthy yeah but you're ordering from a restaurant so you don't ex know exactly what's gone mm. in it how much salt has gone in it and stuff and everything i read online was pointing to get rid of these headaches i have to start eating a much more balanced diet than what i'm uh currently doing and so a varied uh, diet just a very it was yeah. a bit um and i'm so i'm not vegetarian anymore but i don't eat red meat at the moment mm -hmm. um so trying to mix it up and prep meal prepping and looking into so like eating things like that have fucking great bacteria in it like yeah. uh, kimchi and cacao yeah there's like this hot chocolate place down the road from me that does uh an 85 percent uh cacao is it cacao is that yeah. how you say it yeah and it tastes fucking rank it's, right. it's hot it's <laughs> horrible but apparently that's like really really good for your gut right and i've started yeah noticing a difference i haven't had a headache in wow. in a while since doing all this gut stuff and i haven't taken any painkillers for anything if i've got a pain somewhere then i'll do pilates and get try and get rid of it that way mm. first or like niggling in my my shoulder physically sort it out rather than take something but yeah you might know you or you obviously know like a lot more about what what should i what I should mean, i you're be doing the right thing in? you know i mean and from everything that i hear i mean i'm not a fucking nutritional scientist i don't know what i'm talking about but um, i listen to a lot of clever people but um you know i think you're right i think like there's kind of fermented foods or something mm. which we're missing you know now, yeah and like they're just filling our guts and fiber you we're know, missing kind of, fiber well we don't eat enough of it i mm. think and those fibrous foods really kind of feed those bacteria so like you can take a probiotic like as a as a capsule or, a, or a, but there's no prebiotics to kind of induce that so it's kind of like you need the fibrous stuff to kind of put in and then you feed them the oh. probiotics and it all kind of start they, cause it needs to be a cocktail of yeah it's like a, it's called your gut microbiome or something like it's um i say or something i know so much right <laughs> but I, I think i yeah. killed all of mine yeah from, yeah um... well that's what people have like when they don't eat a very a very because when you know we should be in all these kind of different things you know as humans and like because I mean, they're all available and just grab them and, you know like mm. but we kind of we stick to what we like and what we know and we kind of lose these bacteria because they kind of just die out if they don't get fed they die yogurt's great kimchi's great sauerkraut's great you can ferment pretty much anything it's a bit hippie and a bit weird but you know you can go into most health food stores now and find all that kind of shit mm. the podcast is called on the mend right so it's kind of like people from any kind of thing they're going through something they're trying to kind of get better uh -huh. or get some kind of grip on something in your life and experience if you could pass on one bit of advice or wisdom what do you think that one thing would be 
I think being honest for me was the the I don't know, that's not it doesn't really sound like wisdom, but I I found that oh it is I wasn't really ever being honest with myself and. I'm not saying like do in everyday life, but I mean, be, yeah, be honest there. But I mean, in if you've got a therapist or mm. uh, you're in AA or, mm. or, or something and there can be, you don't realize when your ego is playing up or, or is at the forefront and, yeah. you know, being honest in the, in those, those environments um, is how I got the best results. And I didn't like, I, I didn't like the um, results sometimes. Mm. And I didn't like what was coming out of my mouth. But yeah. I, but that's okay. But that's, yeah. But, and yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think before that, I was just trying to manipulate the situation. Like, I want to get better. So I'm going to tell you this, this, and this. And don't worry, it's not as bad as that. But yeah. uh, then you'll think I'm okay. Yeah. Everything's great. Yeah. 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 When actually. Yeah, and just, and just just letting go, yeah, and uh, opening up and being honest. So, if someone doesn't have a therapist, or if someone's listening to this and they don't have that in their life, is there anything that you think they can do that can help them in that respect? Is it sitting down and writing down your problems and actually looking at them? Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's the the letting go of stuff and the amount of times. Because I, I, I mean, I still do it myself, but you hear other people that will complain about something. You're like, I really want, I think you should check this podcast out, this video or something. And yeah. they won't fucking yeah. do it. They're not, they're still not being open yeah. to, to it. They would rather fester in the, yeah. in the, in the problem. But yeah, so there are, there are, there are plenty of free things out there, but you've got to have an open mind. Yeah. And it doesn't all work. Some of it's... That's one of the best things as well that I learned was that you just take... Open up and let and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, some of it doesn't. Some of it seems really whack. And yeah. uh, for the stuff that does stick, will stick forever. Mm. Dougie, thank you, mate. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. I've loved this. Me too. Thank you, mate. This has been absolutely joyous. there you have it that's the first episode mr dougie pointer we started with a bang when he lovely isn't he a lovely bloke thank you dougie i really really appreciate your time and your honesty being open and it's going to really help a lot of people i think if you've been affected by anything you've heard in today's episode there are links to guidance advice and organizations that can help you in our episode description i'll be back next week where my guest will be journalist and author bryony gordon i hope you can join me then